Very good. And you have to come to these uh, one of these women's events. They're getting. I get jealous. I start peeking in all the time. They're getting so good. I, I just you know, I feel like depressed in a way because I know we should do something with the men, but I can't compete. You know, it's just been so good over a long period of time. You know, <laughs> but we're getting there. We had a great prayer meeting, a men's prayer meeting uh, yesterday. It was awesome. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of accessing Jesus. And I thank you that love is a roof, or it covers us, as we found out so many years, so many times in the past. So today, I want to talk about the glory of giving thanks to the Lord. And um, so one thing that we see uh, on Palm Sunday is we see this amazing procession of Jesus coming down and into the city, and they were worshiping and praising and thanking God and thanking God for the recent miracle of Lazarus, thanking God for all the other things they'd seen Jesus do, and it was coming near the end of his life. But there was just a, a joy in the camp, so to speak. And uh, and I just wanted, the Lord showed me something, and I, I just want to just... Um, Sometimes we think of, okay, so you have the, the, the happy day, and then all of a sudden we have the sad day with the crucifixion, right? And, and like the church just sort of limped along and never recovered from that. The fact of the matter is, that's not the way it went, right? There was that happy rejoicing here, but the same people that were rejoicing over the miracles weren't the ones that crucified Jesus, right? But I was thinking about this. What happened was, of course, Jesus got crucified, right? But he rose again, right, that third day. And then a few days later, there was Pentecost. And I'm telling you, uh, those same people that were cheering Jesus on the road, uh, I'll guarantee you, a bunch of those same people were the ones that got baptized in the Spirit that day, uh, you know, just a few days later. And from there, those were the ones that you couldn't keep back. Those were the ones, the, the joy and the thing. It was just like the party kept on going. It just got delayed a little bit by some evil people. But you can't keep the kingdom down. Then all of a sudden, we see this deluge of the Spirit falling on these people. They're speaking a language they don't know. And pretty soon, the church just explodes. It begins to grow, and it's never stopped exploding. And by the way, the most interesting thing is you come to my life in the spirit class as we start up. One of the things I do about the third or fourth lesson, we go through the growth of the church and humanity. And this time that we're in right now is the height. It's the most powerful time in all of world history. There are more believers in the world than there have ever been, and it's growing faster than any other major religion in the world. It's moving on every continent, every tribe, every tongue and nation. There is no place where the gospel is not exploding and moving as we speak. Isn't that amazing? For all the bad news, uh, heaven's rejoicing and worshiping because there's amazing news all over the earth uh, today as the gospel just keeps on marching and marching. It kind of came out of that same party, right, where people saw it. He's coming down, you know, on the donkey. They saw it. They saw Jesus. They had just witnessed a resurrection miracle. They had just seen God come, and they were rejoicing and worshiping, and they saw something, right? And I'll tell you what, in our day and time, we're beginning to see something that's unparalleled. You don't let the, the politics of, of the time or the violence of the time, anything distract you uh, from the joy of the Lord. That's the enemy trying to do his thing, right? But the real party is the people on Palm Sunday, the people that are waving their... They know something else is coming. And it came, and it keeps coming. It didn't just take a lull. It didn't, it's been building since the beginning. If you look at the statistics spiritually, you know, even though there's billions of people, the church is growing, growing, growing at a rate we have never seen before in all of history. Yet there are more people than there have ever been in all of history. That's a lot of new believers, isn't it? Invading Hindu lands, Muslim lands, Buddhist lands. It's just incredible what's going on right now. Uh, in, the, in the gospel. Sometimes we get depressed and discouraged over the politics, or over this or that. But you know what? Those people on Palm Sunday, they had the right idea. 
They were, they were tuned in, right? They had the right idea. Even then, there was, because, even though it turned with a few evil people and they put Jesus on the cross, it's just a three-day, uh, you know, just a little bit of a delay there, right? <laughs> Friday, put him on the cross. A couple of days later, and then all of a sudden, the party began again. It began to explode. And the joy of the Lord began to come. The spirit fell uh, on them. And it was just, so that party's been going ever since. So I want to talk about the party a little bit. And one aspect of the party is so real and so powerful is our ability to give thanks to the Lord. I want to concentrate on this a little bit because I have found that giving thanks to the Lord with my mouth and, and making it a habit of my life is an element of spiritual warfare. It's one of the most powerful things I have ever experienced in my walk with the Lord. And that's, that's a, saying a lot. I mean, for me, this is a big deal. And it's a secret sometimes. It gets buried underneath depression and discouragement and all kinds of things. And the, Satan does not want you to know this secret, the power of thanksgiving. He doesn't want you to know anything about it, right? Because this, there's glory here. There's glory here. We actually, when we glorify God, when we praise God, we're doing something, we're saying something different than the world's narrative, what the world's trying to say. It's very real, very powerful, and it deals with supernatural entities and powers above us and surrounding us in a way that we just can't imagine. So the thing is, the church now is actually being challenged into this new day, but also it's not too hard of a challenge because I think we're experiencing more joy in the Lord, more a sense of God's presence than ever before. I don't care COVID or no COVID, you name your whatever your, your malady or thing is, whatever your favorite-ism is, whether it's politics or whatever. Let me tell you, the church is marching to a beat of a different worry, uh, drummer. And I just want to encourage all of you to march to that beat of a different drummer. Be careful how you watch the news. Be careful how you interpret the news. Be careful how you get all entwined in it because we are living at 30,000 feet. We're not living, living, living at 10,000 feet. We are in a different place. And I don't mean that we're uh, um, unplugged from the world. I mean we are overcoming the world uh, from that space, right? And most of that overcoming is in the space between our ears <laughs> and on our tongue, right? So... It's amazing how that space between your ears and on your tongue affects the space in the heavenlies and in the politics and the regions. You know, it's amazing. Satan's doing his best to keep the gospel back, but the gospel just keeps pouring over. It's like a flood. You can't keep it back. It just keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. And as we see uh, things develop, in the, even in our United States, we're going to see that. Uh, the church is growing and expanding um, and being blessed. And so it's real important that uh, we stay in a place of thanksgiving because it keeps us in touch with what is really going on and the truth, right? The enemy does not want you to know. He never wants you to know the truth. Thanksgiving plugs you into the truth so you understand, so you hear. He's always yakking in the air telling you this, this, and this, right? Uh, you know, he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what did Jesus say about it? I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So what's your definition of abundant life? Don't get all super spiritual on me. What's your definition of abundant life? God has the same definitions you are than beyond it. He, he goes beyond what you think would be abundant life, right? But his definitions include everything that you would think of that would be good. Healthy kids, you know, enough money, healthy body, all of that. And just the progress of the gospel and the goodness of the Lord around the earth. All of these things. So I want to just talk today about the glory of giving thanks to God. You know, our whole Christian life is about responding in thanksgiving to God for his indescribable gift. you know that? He gave the indescribable gift, and the whole rest of our Christian life is our response to that, and the church's response. I want to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 
verses 10 to 15. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Is that just um, uh, generous like theoretical generous? Is that actual being generous on every occasion? I assume that would include money, wouldn't it? Could it? Are you with me? Well, I don't know. You'll be enriched in every way. Sounds pretty good to me. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, the background upon this is that Paul's raising an offering for, for other believers, right? And so he's raising it from the Corinthians. And so he's talking about it here, right? This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He wanted to know that, okay, yes, you're, you're providing needs, but what's really happening is you're giving out of your joy, and these other people on the other end are, are receiving in joy. And so there's just joy mixed all around, right? Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So he's, he's mentioning a cycle here. They're giving practically to someone. They're giving thanksgiving, and the thanksgiving's coming back on their head. And it's just like a cycle. That's the way it works. And everybody ends up saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You can never outgive God. Given it should be given to you. It comes back on your own head, not only the, the raw money or whatever, but also the joy, the excitement, the, the, the blessing of being a giver. But then there's not that other part where you really need something, and there's the blessing of being a, a, a receiver. So this joy, God mixes around in different ways, but all of it is all joy. It's all blessing. It's all the kindness of the Lord. The Corinthians gave generously as an expression of giving thanks to the Lord for his indescribable gift. Thanksgiving is our response to God's generous heart. We love because why? He first loved us. The opposite of thanksgiving is a spirit of entitlement that causes the heart to grow cold and the Holy Spirit to disappear. Can I just say that again? <laughs> Everybody, any, any parent that ever did with an entitled child knows exactly what this means, right? When that, that sense of like entitlement gets released in the household, it stinketh to high heaven. It, it pollutes the entire atmosphere. <laughs> Nothing like a snotty-nosed brat kid, right? Just to ruin every party, every occasion. You know what I mean, right? So every parent, so all your parents kind of pretend like you don't know. Maybe you're too old, you don't remember, right? Or maybe, I'm not sure there's a clause on this one. It doesn't matter how old they get. I think there's still that entitlement could be there, right? But what about your own before the Lord? That's the thing we got to pay, pay attention to. I got to be careful about my entitlement with the Lord. My, 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 you know what I'm saying? You can get in this space, you know, prove yourself, God, you know, that kind of thing. He will. He does. But this entitlement is something he's trying to get out of us. He's trying to get us to be free givers. Do it for the sheer joy. Do it because that's the way he is at the inspiration of the Spirit. Whatever you're doing what He is, and we're acting like He is, there's something to it. There's, there's a joy to it. There's, a, there's an exclamation mark on it. There's just something about being a giver 
but it's the most joyous thing on the planet. It's just amazing. Once you get in the cycle of it, there are down times and up times, but being basically this is what you do and how you're at, it's the most joyous lifestyle there is. So the opposite of thanksgiving is the spirit of entitlement. It causes the heart to grow cold and the Holy Spirit to disappear. And I do not want to be one of those people. And I don't, you know what a religious spirit does? A religious spirit functions like this. It looks like God, but really it's a spirit of snotty nose entitlement, right? Just give freely, expect freely. Don't wring your hands over anybody or anything or any situation. One of the first things we teach our kids for them to say is what? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I can still remember my... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> kids and grandkids. Thank you. I could, they can't even hardly say it, but you know, we, we try to book that in them right away. You know, from their two years old. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Now keep saying that until you're like 35. That'd be awesome. So the thing is, when we hear those kids say it back to us, it's not only polite, which we want all our kids to be polite, it's a relational issue. It's not only a relational issue between you and a child, it's a relational issue between you and God. When you get to the place where you're freely giving thanks for all kinds of things in your life, and you're, you're, you're in that space, it's a very happy relational place. And this is the way our kingdom works. The kingdom of God works. It's relational. It's all relational. It's all about fathers and sons, the heavenly father sending his son. It's all about our relationship with Jesus. It's all about our relationship to one another, loving one another. This is all relational. And thank you is right at the core of it. And I just want to say to you, I mean, even just with regard to relationships uh, uh, around, some of the best things that happen with our relationships is people saying thank you for something given, something expressed, uh, a kindness that they've given to us, you know, or even it feels good for me to even uh, uh, say thank you, you know, myself. I feel that, you know, thank you very much. And I guess what another way to say it, instead of just thank you, let's just call it appreciation. Appreciation is a powerful, powerful relational lifestyle. And even extending into our relationships with one another, when we begin to appreciate one another for the little things they do, the smile, the attention they gave us for, for being, you know, with us. I, I had just an incredible time with my life in the spirit class and, uh, this last time. And one of the things I, I felt was that there was just so much appreciation in the room. It was just a great group, and I'm, I'm looking forward to my next one in the spring as we start our life in the spirit classes in a couple of weeks. But I, I just felt there's such a appreciation in the room, you know. It was, it was just everybody was sort of thankful for each other, thankful for what we were doing, there to worship and to learn. And that atmosphere, oh, man, you just can't replace it. And a family and a gathering like this, and it just causes the Spirit of God to flow, flow, flow. If you get in a place where you're stuck uh, in your family or family life or in a work situation or whatever, sprinkle a little uh, appreciation into it and thanksgiving into your work situation. You see how much leaven that will be in that workplace. One of the things that uh, workplaces suffer from is uh, uh, the most is just this uh, lack of appreciation. Lack of appreciation for those they work with, lack of thanksgiving for the provision God gives through their job, lack of appreciation for their bosses or their workers or whatever. When you fill a business full of appreciation, you got life. When you fill a family full of appreciation, you have life. When you fill a church full of appreciation, you have life. You have life. It's the exact opposite of entitlement or the other side. 
which we all have experienced with regard to our families and from kids. And they, they don't just grow up like, uh, you know, perfectly thankful people, do they? We have to actually teach and train our kids that way because they can easily go the other way. Matter of fact, if you do it long enough, you know, if you, don't, if you don't teach them, you have to actually teach this, right? I think we actually have to learn appreciation. It kind of goes against our tide and against the devil's tide especially. He does not want you to be a thankful person. He, he does not. Because once that happens, you start breaking through his spell. Anything that he's trying to put on, you start breaking beyond his boundaries. Even when you're not feeling well, especially, or you're not doing well, when appreciation comes in your heart and you begin to thank Jesus and you begin to thank other people, you've broken bondages. You've broken something in the spirit uh, that helps you then even move further into God's voice and hearing his voice, I would say. Look at Roman numeral 2 in your outline. There's a connection between giving thanks and the presence of God. And I want to turn to a, per, a passage in uh, 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 16, verses 1 to 14. So uh, this is David before the Lord here. And just a, such a beautiful picture of thanks in the presence of the Lord. They brought the ark of God. Now the ark of God was this ark that uh, carried. The, the Lord literally lived on that ark between the cherubim. That was where his presence was. It was called the Holy of Holies, right? Where his presence was. So they brought this ark, ark back that had been stolen and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. He had pointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord. That's interesting. This is in the Old Testament. So David was an Old Testament, New Testament guy. A very unique king. That's why Jesus was called the son of David. He, was very, he foreshadowed both the royalty and the priesthood. He, he forecast this intimate relationship, this man after God's own heart, right? And this is what this man after God's own heart did. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord. Now remember the presence of the Lord. Now, the ark now is inside of us. The presence of the Lord is inside each of us. And then inside of us when we uh, worship, he inhabits the praises of his people. He's in us plurally as the church. We're the dwelling place of the Lord. And individually as a person, we're the dwelling place of the Lord. So he appoints ministers, the Levites, to minister before the ark of the Lord. That's what you were doing here today when you worshiped today. You were ministering before the ark. David is the one that put that in motion. He helped them understand in the New Testament when that, that came in the New Testament, they, knew, they, they understood the connection there between him and what he did. The, David was an Old Testament, New Testament man, foreshadowed many things that were going to be the case uh, in, the new, uh, in the New Testament age. That's why Jesus liked to call himself the son of David. He was called the son of David. So isn't it interesting? So the Levites, that would be us. We're priests of the Most High God now. We're all priests that know Jesus Christ. In that case, they had a special class of people that were uh, ministered to the presence of the Lord. Now we all do that, right? He literally inhabits our, our praises, right? He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol, thank, and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. That's just a, such a pattern for us, isn't it? What an amazing thing. Asaph was the chief, and next to him in rank were Zechariah, then, then all these names, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> we get to Obed-Edom and Jael, if that's the right pronunciation. Where's Scott? He has to tell me how to pronounce all this. 
they were to uh, play the lyres and harps, Asaph was to sound the cymbals. <laughs> They're doing this before the Lord. So this is where this thing here came from. It comes from way back, before the New Testament even came into motion. This, was, this worship was in the house of God. That was the house of God at that time. That's where God lived. Now God lives in the praises of his people. He lives in all of us corporately together, right? So it's a perfect picture. Way back then, lyres and harps, Asaph was to sound the cymbals. I don't think we've done cymbals yet. Anyway, and Benaiah and Jezehah, well, I guess we did a little bit with the drums, right? The priests were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. So the Ark of the Covenant of God is where God lived. That was his address. So they're blowing the trumpets before the presence of God. That day, Asaph, uh, da that day, David first appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord in this manner. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders. That's the key part of thanksgiving. Remember, remember, remember. <clears throat> I, can't ex I can't express this enough. Remember, remember, remember. That's going to come in handy as we talk about this a little bit later in what I'm going to say. Remembering the wonders he has done. Because I'll give you a little hint on this. When you remember the one he has done, when you remember them properly, it will prepare you for the wonders he's about to do. I'm going to come back to that. So it's amazing. So all this stuff where we're worshiping, you know, doing all this, we see this here. It's not only to honor the Lord, but when we worship, when we get in this place, it comes back on our own head. That's the most important thing to understand. Not only do you get to do this out of your thanksgiving to the Lord, and it's a joy for that reason, but you also will feel it coming back on your own head. You can't out-worship God. You can't out-give God, right? So remember what He's done, His miracles and His judgments. When we sing, we're remembering. Some songs are really special to us. They call to mind something God's done. They make us cry even a little bit, right? Because we sing that word and we remember in our heart what God's done. So God says, remember his, the wonders he's done, his miracles and the judgments he's pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand years generations. And when we worship, we remember that covenant. We're, we're part of an extended covenant that extends back thousands of generations up to now. Multitudes of believers have gone for us in various dispensations. And what we have in common is this common worship, this common praise, this common adoration of the Lord, which includes remembering all the amazing things that God has done for us, right? You guys with me? I'm just so stunned by the eloquence of my words. You just... <laughs> New Testament Christians, in fact, are called a royal priesthood made to declare the praises of God. That's in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll, I'll read it for you. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. we got government in us, and we've got priesthood in us. In us, the two offices were married. In the Old Testament, they were separated. In us, they were symbols of what was to come. The royal part being the royal God-given authority we've been given. And the priesthood, this ministering in front of others, praying for others, pray, praying on behalf of others, giving thanks to the Lord, worshiping purely with the Lord, right? You are a chosen people. It's just a great thing. We are a royal priesthood. We've been given authority in the earth. 
And at the same time, we are priests representing others to God and coming before God ourselves. Oh, and actually, we get to go into the Holy of Holies, that very special place purchased by the blood of Jesus, the intimacy bought by the blood of Jesus. So in that space, you know, I tell you, no matter how you work in business, the entire business world works by who you know and getting access to the right people, <laughs> right? Whether you're trying to sell something, build something, if you get the right people, it goes well. Well, listen, we are a royal priesthood. We get to go to the right people. We go right to the, where the, all the authority is, right? We know about that in business. How do we forget it in God? Because not only is it that we get to be priests of God, but we are a royal priesthood. We are royalty around us. So often people that are sitting right next to us have our miracle, have our provision, have something to offer that you can't imagine. That's why I have this, these, these ministries up here. We, we always have prayer people. They, they're caring. <laughs> they're caring. You know what I mean? They've got weapons. Not literal weapons, but spiritual weapons. Well, some of them might have. I don't know. Anyway, spiritual weapons, right? Weapons. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special uh, possession. I love this service, this, uh, these verses so much. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Oh my. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not mercy, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So you've received mercy as the people of God. You are a royal priesthood representing him in the world with royal authority. Royal governing authority, governing to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and at the same time, you're priests before the Lord, calling out for our broken culture and receiving uh, God's goodness and receiving the very presence of God. And I was just thinking about this morning in light of the things that we've seen around us, that church that was uh, where the kids were killed and the people were killed, you know. Uh, my, my, uh, it's just so important for us as the church to understand that the, we are have a, an enemy out there, but we are not without weapons. We are internally equipped. And the thing of it is, one of the most powerful things you can be equipped with is prayer. I know it seems namby-pamby. I know it seems like sort of weak, you know. But actually, have all the weapons you want surrounding us, and we will take care of that practical part too. But I'm just saying, the real authority is on our ability to access a God. How about that part of the Lord's Prayer? Remember that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, declaring the kingdom. And he says, but deliver us from evil. I just encourage all of you. That's a prayer you should be praying all the time over your family, over your household, over the nation. Lord, deliver us from evil. Isn't it amazing that as the royal priesthood, I have a right, I have authority to march right there into the throne room as a priest with a priest with authority and out of my mouth declare things and move the furniture around. That's the access that God gave us. If it's just a religious thing or a religious exercise, that's one thing. I love prayer because prayer moves and changes. I am part of this royal priesthood. I'm made to declare the praises of God, but I'm also made as a royal priesthood to move things around. When I say things that God hears and moves it around, he changes, he, he encompasses things, he surrounds it. So this is a day like never before for us to exercise our right as a royal priesthood, to worship and praise God and have intimacy with him, and then to pray what he prays and pray how he leads us to pray for covering and and and, uh, and protection and then for authority to be released and even to our daily bread. I love the Lord's Prayer because it's got all the points that I need. 
for my life, right? And I get to pray through those places. And don't forget, whenever you come before the Lord to bring authority, just don't forget the thanksgiving. It's like the salt and the pepper on your prayer. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like making things palpable. It's, it's like divine protocol. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. It's, it's divine protocol. It's this part of where we're honoring a, a high up authority, but at the same time, and giving him honor, but at the same time having access like a little kid. It's this interesting thing, isn't it, how, how we have this connection. But giving thanks in the presence of God is so, uh, so incredibly uh, powerful. In the presence of God, we thank and praise the Lord. We, we just saw these in this, these scriptures. He appoints some of the Levites to minister before the ark Lord to extol, thank, and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Right? Let me move down to uh, C. Thanksgiving embraces the presence of God. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Then the next verse, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. We don't want to quench the spirit. We want the spirit to be activated. Why? Because it's fun, number one. Number two, we feel good. Number three, God moves on our behalf. He moves. He changes things. It's, it's beautiful to be in his presence, but it, there's a certain power about it. Thanksgiving embraces the presence of God. So <clears throat> thanks, the presence of God is where all the activity is. You know when you go into a neighborhood or a place or an area, even, even uh, a store, when there's something weird about it, something wrong, something off, because you were born and made to sense the presence of God. And as you cultivate this life of thanksgiving, it's amazing how much you become aware of the Lord. Psalm 104 literally says this. And this is the most powerful thing. We did it today, right? It's so powerful. <clears throat> Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's an allusion again to the temple. We enter into the presence of God this way. We go into the gates and his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and praise his name. So the two things that happen in the very presence of God is this thanksgiving and praise that are both going on at the same time. I just want to just say that again. We're not, when we do church, when we do two or three together, we're not just talking about an organization. We're talking about the big guy. <laughs> we're talking about the king of kings. We're talking about him showing up. And he's not just hanging around. He's listening, watching. And just like any of us, you know, it's amazing when someone honors you. Isn't it amazing or appreciates you? Isn't it amazing what it draws out of you? Some people can do that to the place of incredible manipulation as well. <laughs> I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about just appreciation makes relationships go, and so it is with the Lord. That's why one of the most important things you can do, we always want to get to the pray part, you know, and tell them about all this stuff. Could I just say there's a little protocol in the kingdom, right? Because when you do that in that sense of terror, and the only reason why you actually approach God is because you're terrified or upset or mad about something, please grow beyond that. Because you, what moves the world, the spiritual world, is faith. And when you're giving thanks and praise to the Lord, you're saying, God, I just want to thank you. I know you got this. I appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for everything you've done already. Okay, so what's going to happen when you go down to the part where, Lord, I need this, this, and this? It's so much easier because you already have faith in it. You already have that. And you could even say, I know what you're going to do. You're gonna, you, I know you know about this even before I ask. 
I just say this powerful thing. Maybe you've known this for a long time. Uh, maybe not. Maybe this is new to you. But Thanksgiving em- em- embraces the presence of God. And the presence of God is what makes things move. So that's why we don't just do praise and thanksgiving as an introduction. <laughs> you know, we, we couldn't figure out what else to put in the service, so we decided to sing a few songs, and it's kind of inspirational, <laughs> right? <laughs> we didn't want to hear all that preaching all the time. We want to mix it up a little bit. Besides, music's kind of nice. Oh, my gosh. It's more than that, and music is nice. They did a great job. I like the music today. It's more than that, though. It's the presence of God that comes. And comes, and it, it, you know, and you could just sit there, and I've watched people do it, and maybe if I'm in a bad enough mood, maybe I've done it, but you can just be in the presence of God and ignore it completely because of your own stuff. So when he says enter his gates, that means that you make a decision internally to enter in, that you're going in. I'm going in. <laughs> I'm going into the presence. I'm going in, right? Sometimes it takes a while. You know, Jesus knocking on the door. Hey, you want to come in yet? I'm too mad yet. Just give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> I think it'd be better if we just. Hey, I'm coming in. The moment that music starts, I'm in. But even before that, I'm in. I'm in. Because I enter his gates with thanksgiving. Sorry. Thanksgiving is one of the most powerful ways to enter into the presence of God that I know of. I tell you, I, I, I'm telling you, when you start giving thanks for all kinds of things and appreciating God, it's the same thing when you start appreciating a person. Just start, try it. A person you haven't been getting along with, just start appreciating them. I'll tell you, when you first do it, if you haven't been getting along, they'll think, what, what's he up to, right? But if you just make it genuine and you keep appreciating them, I'm telling you, that causes the relationship to be clear. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to appeal to the King of Kings, I would like to have a good relationship with him. I don't want to always think of him as this distant force, that, you know, hopefully I can get, get break into the force, you know. No, it's his thanksgiving. He listens to your thanksgiving, his praise, and there's faith in it, and there's something about it that causes the wheels of heaven to begin to move. Every time I'm in a worship service, I'm like, oh, there they go, I hear them. The gears are moving, boom, boom, in my own heart, in the church. Man, he's moving. You can feel it beginning to move. Right at the introduction of some song, uh-oh, here he comes. You can feel it, right? Because we introduce gates. We, we know it when we've entered the gate. Sometimes we're like all to ourselves, and I ain't going to worship. I'm just, but what a waste of time to come in church and, and wait for something to challenge you into the presence, you know. Ah, worship wasn't that good, you know. Sermon wasn't that, nah, I ain't going in there. And then you're in that attitude, it wouldn't matter who was doing worship, you wouldn't enter in, right? So we have to learn what opportunity we have. I just think God's an equal opportunity employer for everyone. And this enter his gates thing with thanksgiving courts with praise, entering into the presence of God is something that everybody has access to. And that's why many times in our services, that's why many times after worship we'll get words and stuff like that, prophetic words, because everything's stirred up and then you feel God starting to give the gifts. And sometimes what we do is we just label some of them, you know, hey, I think God's doing this, everybody over here and over here. So this is a very powerful way to live. I want to say this, both privately and corporately, right? The glory of giving thanks to the Lord. It's powerful. You are individually the temple of the Holy Spirit, but corporately we are also called the temple of the Holy Spirit. We replace the Old Testament temple, the same one that we saw David there with his instruments going before the Lord. He was, he was forerunner of what was to happen in this day and this time for believers on this side of the crucifixion. If you look at C2, uh, 2C2 in your line, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Does that say that any better? I mean, could it be said any better than that? 
Rejoice always. Uh, that would be outside of church as well, right? Outside of this gathering or any gathering. Rejoice always. How, how, how many times would that be? Always. You can change the atmosphere of a problem by learning to rejoice. If you can somehow find some sort of rejoicing in there when you're in the pit, I tell you, it begins to change the atmosphere of your heart, and then you can literally change the atmosphere around you. A joyful person, and I've watched this in the warehouse so many times. We, you know, we've been feeding people for a long time, and I watch the workers as they're bringing the food out, you know, and everything, and they're preparing and everything. And some of them are the most depressed thing people you've ever seen, right? Uh, but but many of us who have been with us maybe 15 years or however long we've been doing that. I mean, it's been a long time. They're the happiest people you want to be around. You just want to. Sometimes I just go stand next to one of them because she's so happy. You know, if I'm not happy, I just go stand next to her and watch her giving the food and doing all this stuff. I just stand there, you know, and I get happy just watching her. Right? She's really remarkable. And uh, uh, and I've, there's others like that. You become like that. Happy people, actually, wherever they are in the deepest, darkest office <laughs> or on a dock somewhere or on a sales call, you notice them, right? There's something different about them. That's why Scripture says, you know, you have the possibility to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. Why would that be? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the Spirit, right? <laughs> what a great passage of Scripture. Everything hinges on Emmanuel. God with us. We see that at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 1. God with us. The angel appears to Joseph and, and, uh, um, and, and God's presence is there. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So uh, even with regard to uh, the New Testament church, uh, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that's about to come. Right? And I want to read these verses. Jesus resurrects and he's about to ascend to heaven. On one occasion while he was eating with him, he gave him this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then he's, they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So these, this church, they were gathering together. They were all in one place, which means they're probably singing and having, you know, doing, doing stuff. They weren't just sitting there, you know, depressed. They were there before the Lord in Acts chapter 2. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a mighty wind comes. And the Lord begins to, you know, rest on them. It's a very powerful passages. But, but they were waiting for something. They were waiting and the power came. And I think there's something about that with regard to our own gatherings. We want to worship and pray and, and watch for and expect and look for the presence of God on us. And if you try too hard, you might hurt yourself. You don't have to try very hard. Just make sure that you're worshiping with you, even if you don't feel like it, do it. That's part of waiting. Sometimes there's a little waiting time, but God always comes. One of the best things you can do when you're in the worst mood is just try to crawl in here, even if you're sitting on the way, back row or over the corner, and just worship. And there's something that will break up on the inside of you because everything hinges on Emmanuel and God inhabits the praises of his people, even when they're said reluctantly, even when they're said with great difficulty, right? And the key thing about this is uh, the presence of God is the key thing. 
And this thanksgiving and praise that I'm talking about encourages the, pres the presence of God. And if you look at Acts chapter 19, Paul comes and he runs across a group of Ephesians in, in Ephesus, right? And he asks, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? They believe, no, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Christ. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So the Spirit came on them, and something happened. They were prophesying and speaking in tongues. Now, interesting thing about tongues is, tongues is often a, pray, a form of praise to the Lord. So we see in Acts chapter 2 when Pentecost came, when they were speaking in tongues, those tongues were praising. They were worshiping God. They were giving adoration to the Lord because here's the thing. They heard them speaking in their own languages at Pentecost. Remember that in Acts chapter 2? It said we hear them speaking. They, and what, what were they speaking? If I remember right, they, what were they calling out? What were they hearing them say in Acts chapter 2? As all these language groups are gathered, they're speaking in these tongues, Right? Now I want to just, let me look at this Acts chapter 2. I didn't have, intend to do this, but I think it's really cool. Suddenly saw fire, all of them were filled, and they began to speak with tongues. And this utterly amazed, then how is it that we, each of them in our native language, Parthians, Elamites, residents of Wotamia, uh, uh, residents of Mesopotamia, so on and so forth, both Jews and converts, we hear them, here's what they're doing. Now, here's the interesting thing. So they're speaking in tongues. This is the inauguration of the church. So what are they saying? Look what they hear. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. They're worshiping. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? So they're worshiping. The very first tongue, the very first interpretation of a tongue is these guys are all hearing them and they're speaking a language they haven't learned. But what are they doing? They're praising. They're worshiping God. They're giving thanks to God. You can just imagine what the interpretation was like. And they're hearing this in their own languages. The glorification of the Lord. Is, is that something, is that powerful or what? This spirit falls. There's baptism in the spirit going on. They're speaking a language they haven't learned. And it turns out that when the interpretation comes, they're glorifying the Lord. Often when I interpret a tongue, it's that. Often it's, it's and I remember when I first spoke in tongues, man, I thought to myself, man, I would give anything to know what that is. What, what am I saying? I got to know. I got to know, you know. And then as I began to learn to interpret I figured out that often when I'm doing that, often when I hear another person, when I turn my mind and set my focus to interpret, it's almost always praise language and thanksgiving and grace, grace to God. That's what you're doing generally. It might be some special message or whatever. I suppose it could be that. But for the most part, you're praising God in this language and you do it right from your spirit. You're going right, direct connect. Direct connect worship is what I call it, you know. When you worship in the spirit, when you worship in tongues, you're going direct, right, right to the source, right there. Bypassing the brain altogether, right straight to God. What an amazing privilege we have. Isn't it amazing? I tell you, I can't believe. Some of the people that are even raised in the church and even raised in an environment like ours where we, we just, you know, I go class after class every year for years and years, ever since the church started. Never missed a, a time of the year where I didn't teach somebody about speaking in tongues right? It's amazing to people, to me, how many people do not do that. Listen, all you need to know, if you don't need to know anything else, just remember that when you're speaking in tongues, you're giving praise and you're honoring the Lord. Most of the time, that's what it is. You're just honoring the Lord. And it comes back on your own head, your own life. 
You can't worship the Most High God and not get something out of it. And one of the most beautiful things you get out of it, if you understand what you're doing, is you feel the presence of God. You feel the presence of God. You can feel God in you. And, and as it's, if you ever interpret it, most of the time it's, you know, praise be to God, glory to God, you know, that sort of thing in the highest. That's what you're doing. But it's a powerful thing. And I just think it's significant on the day of Pentecost. The thing they heard him doing was praising and worshiping God, thanking God. Wow, that amazing? That's really amazing. The very first words, the very first steps of the church, very thing from the very beginning, what are they doing? They're praising God. They're praising God. The Spirit comes on them. They're praising and worshiping the Lord. Uh, I'm going to look at Acts uh, chapter 19 uh, for a moment. So <clears throat> one of Paul's first steps uh, when he comes to this little church in Ephesus, he asks them this question. It's really important. And so what we're talking about here is this a sense of God on us, right? The Holy Spirit on us. Everything depends on Emmanuel, God with us. So while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It was an interesting question. Wait a minute. I thought that we, I thought that we got the Holy Spirit when we... Isn't that part of the whole question? Like, like if you receive Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you, you get the Holy Spirit, right? Is that right? That's pretty orthodox theology. So he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's talking about a different kind of receiving the Holy Spirit. He's talking about He's talking about, have you had an encounter with God? Have you been baptized in the Spirit, just like the early believers? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And he's going, what? You, like, you're believers, but you never, you, nobody ever told you? It's amazing how many people don't even know there's a Holy Spirit in walking with the God, right? They, they know him, and theoretically, like they would know a leather piece of uh, theology, like sanctification or something like that, but they don't know him. They don't know him. They don't re experience him. Right? I don't, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So if you have no experience with the Holy Spirit, you might as well say there's no Holy Spirit because you don't ever encounter Him. You don't ever hear from Him. You don't ever worship in the power of Him. Right? So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after Him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then what happened? When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They began to prophesy. They began to speak in tongues, right? So everything hinges on the presence. Emmanuel, God in us, God coming, God's understanding. And then from there, this thanksgiving begins to flow. Often I'll interpret tongues uh, for our little group, you know, when we have our class. And it's amazing because even I'm surprised when I interpret it's almost always giving thanks to God, praise to God, hallelujah, I mean, praise, you know, and, and in creative ways, things, you know, I don't even think of before. It's just I'm, I feel that flow going to God. I, I'm realizing heaven's having a party. I get to join the party anytime. Just speak in tongues and I'm join, join the party. I'm in on it. All the angels, all time, 24 hours are worshiping God. You want to worship God? Start speaking in tongues. Or you can praise Him in your own language. But when you do that, the moment you step into giving thanks and praising God, you just stepped into the heavenly party. And it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from there to know what to pray. Right? So let's access the heavens and then pray downhill. Too many of us pray uphill. Right? We're burdened. We're having a hard time. Oh, and you know, it's so funny. Sometimes I listen to my prayer and it's just scary, you know, especially when I'm burned, you know. And I thought, and then I just review it a little bit. Let me hit rewind on that. That was the most depressing thing. I, 
I had all the right language in it, but I'm like cowering like a little baby. I'm, I'm crawling, begging, you know. I just think God goes, oh my God, there he goes again. That irritates me so much when they do that. But the other thing, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Father. Thank you for everything you did for me today and every day. It's so wondrous to be in your presence. And you go on and off, and then you go, and I have this one little thing I'd like to ask. He knows it's coming, but I'll tell you, like any parent will tell you, when they do that, it's still easier, even though you know they're being manipulative, right? right? It's still easier, right? Welcome, Father. I'm so glad you came home. Can I do something nice for you today? Like, of course, that doesn't happen very often. But anyway, and I, me included, right? <laughs> So I want to look at uh, uh, Exodus chapter 13. I'm on, near to the bottom of Roman numeral 2 on your outline here. So let's look at Exodus 13, verses 14 to 17. All right. So the Lord's having this conversation with Moses, right? So he says in verse 13, If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation's your people. So he's interceding. The Lord replied, this, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. If you're not in this, if you're not with me, I not, I'm not budging, right? How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So what distinguishes us from all the other people on the earth is we have the Lord's presence. He's going with us. He's with us. God with us. Emmanuel. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. All right. But now, read the rest of this. But it was the people's ingratitude and memory loss that caused the presence of God to lift for future success. Now you go back and read the Old Testament. I won't read all through the depressing pages, but... When they got in that space, the Lord lifted. Matter of fact, more than that, the Lord got angry. I, don't, I got enough problems in my life without the Lord being angry. Right? Because some of us, even on this side of the resurrection, we act in our prayer life like there has never had a victory. God has never helped us. God is never going to help us. There's this approach. There's a protocol. There's a protocol with people. and There's a protocol with God. One of the greatest things we have going for us is the ability at any moment to give praise and thanksgiving to God. Thank Him for what He's done for us. Remember, we enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with what? Praise. praise. It's so important, even with your prayer life, going in that way, right? And we go in that way, it's just like a, it's a relational issue, right? We all know that with our kids and everything, but we don't know that sometimes before the Father. We can sense it sometimes. That's why we get depressed in our depression, you know. I mean, in our, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and in our intercession. We get depressed in our depression and our intercession. Sometimes intercession is nothing more than a complaint session. You just complained 30 minutes before the Lord. That's what you did. And you called it spiritual. And you called it intercession. I want to say that one again. That was really good. 
Because I know people that are so-called intercessors and all they do is complain and moan and groan and all this and they think that somehow or another that's going to get God's attention a little bit better. Well, I think there can be burdens that the Lord lives on us, gives us, but still, I'm telling you, <clears throat> joy is where it's at. If God's real and he's really a dad, then he should be happy to be in his presence, right? And not try to twist his arm. Oh, God, you know, you know, da-da-da-da. Oh, ah. and we take that groaning with too deep for words way out of, I mean, we assume that there's a groaning, the spirit does too deep for words, and so we like to groan, you know, it's okay to groan for a while, but certainly somewhere or another, I think probably it's better, hi dad, how's it going, you know, thank you very much, by the way, for that raise you gave me, I appreciate that, and also thank you for getting me through that freeway mess today, thank you, Lord for being so kind to me. I thank you for church the other day. The pastor was great. He preached so good. Thank you for helping him. See? So. 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 Yeah, see there? You got it already. So when you start doing that, you know you're getting close to the throne room right now. Right? Just being a tad manipulative there. <laughs> so let's read about this Hezekiah guy. The second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 24 to 26. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord who answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. So, in other words, he got over it. He was just about to die and God blessed him. But Hezekiah's heart was proud. Listen to this. And he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Whoa. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. So God did something nice for him and he didn't respond. There was something that was missing there. Some sort of entitlement, something spiritually that was off. Wow. Okay, think about that for a moment. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart as did the people of Jerusalem. So when we don't give thanks, there's a pride there. There's an arrogance there. It's just in the very simplest of things, when the kid's two years old, that little thank you is like music to our ears because he's always demanding and asking for stuff. You know, ah, ah, ah. Right. Now that, he can talk finally. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. It just makes all the difference in the world, right? So that's a very simple way of saying this guy, heart got hard. We have to watch our heart. He was doing really well. He got healed even and delivered. But there was something else that God was looking for. Look, I delivered you now. Where's the response? Where's the relationship here, right? And he'd had a string of success. One of the most dangerous things in any person's life is unbroken success. You just keep success, success, success. Your heart hardens. You stop saying thank you. You stop appreciating. And then you're in spiritual danger. <laughs> and not just from the devil. Listen to this. And Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. So he says during the days of Hezekiah. So Hezekiah got back on board and everybody else got back on board. But that stinking, demanding uh, heart, God was just having a hard time with it, right? The Spirit has a hard time. I, I got enough problems with me, my life, without having God on the other side, right? Ingratitude. Could I, I'm going to just say this again. I know there are hard times. I know some of us are in harder times than others at various times, right? Please, I just encourage you, and I'm saying this, Mike, please. Janice, please remind me next time I get in this place. Please. 
When you get in a spirit of ingratitude, you get into spiritual danger, not just from the demons, but there's a door that comes before, between you and the Lord. We see it right here with this Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of God's guys. Hezekiah liked, uh, God liked Hezekiah. But there's something about that relationship that God watches over carefully, right? Number three, thanksgiving is directly connected to breakthrough in our lives. Now, here's what Bill Johnson said. It's one of the most profound things I've heard in a long time. How you remember your last miracle is how you will face your next problem. <clears throat> Let that sink in for a moment. I'll explain that a little bit further, but before I do, I want to just read from Psalm 78, verses 18 to 22. So God's are there, uh, what's being explained here, let me see where I'm at. I've got to get my, lost my place here. Psalm 78, okay, 1822. They willfully, this is the children of Israel in the wilderness. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. Now, they needed the food, but there was something that came in their tone about it. They stopped liking the texture of it, whatever it was. They, you know, something got in there, right? They spoke of God and they said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? So, like with regard to our provision, some of us aren't doing well right now. Maybe we're short. Maybe there's not just financially, but maybe it's a healing you need. Maybe it's something you've been looking for in your family life for a long, long time. And you may not say it out loud, but in your spirit, you might, say, it might be in this exact place. Can God really spread a table in the wilderness? So what was happening here was they had lost sight of everything that God had done for them. They stopped thanking God. They didn't appreciate everything he had done for them. And this one thing wasn't being provided. And so uh, it wiped all that out, all that blessing, all the goodness of God like that. So when you get in this place, you're usually a little bit dull to it. I try to watch over my heart to try not to ever be in this place. Yeah, God, you did that before. I see you've done that before. And that's over there. You look at other people. But, but what about them? And what about them? And can God really spread a table in the wilderness for me? I guess it's just for everybody else. Or, God, what about me? My chopped liver? You know, what, what happened, you know? That person over there, and this person over there, and you start looking around. When you get in that space, you get in a negative space. It's not a good space to be in. True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Yeah, I remember when he did that. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? You ever done that? Yeah, I can remember he did this, this, and this, but this is what I need right now, and it's so bad. I, I, I don't understand. Can he supply meat for his people? You know, I, I need a little extra than I've been getting. I, I have this need now. God, don't you care? Okay, listen to this. This is the part we don't want to go to, right? When the Lord heard them, he was furious. Now, you would think like God's way up here, and here's a whole bunch of people out in the desert, right? But he's listening to them. They are his people. They're his people. They belong to him. He loves these people. He's been providing all along. The only thing that's kept them from more is because they have been stinkers. They haven't been doing what he said, right? And then he says, really, if you do all that I said, then you can expect good things, right? So they lost all faith. They lost everything. When he heard them, 
He was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose against Israel for they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. So they believed a little bit, right? True. He gave us the water, right? But can he supply meat for these people? We need meat. I'm missing something here. Okay, this is really important. So I have a lot of problems in my life. I just don't need God to be furious, right? I don't need that part. Oh, that's just Old Testament. Oh, really? Well, if we say and brag that God's a relational God, which we do, he's my friend, right? But that's sometimes we have conflict, right? Sometimes we don't treat the friend right, right? And God just wants reciprocation. He actually goes 90-10, usually. <laughs> he does way more for us than we know. We find that he's been working all along. But there's something so intent in the heart of God. He wants to be relational. He wants us to be happy with him. That's why worship's so powerful. He loves to hear that expression of thanksgiving. There's something so important about the intimacy with the Lord, the relational part, that carries over into our everyday speech, our everyday desires, our everyday wants. And it's so important that we continue to honor God, the one that gave Jesus Christ crucified on the cross for your provision, the one that has gone overboard to find you, to know you. This complaining spirit, this murmuring thing is death to us all. And the sooner we get out of it, the very best. I don't care what your case is. Your best case before God, why you don't have this, and you should, right? Well, let's keep it going to prayer. But you've got all kinds of things that God did for you you didn't even ask for. You landed in the right space, the right plan, everything. So it's so important. It's a glorious thing to give thanks to God and to stay in this place. When you keep giving God thanks in your life and everything, it's glorious. It's a glorious thing because the God responds to this so incredibly well. And even if you don't get that thing right away, it's the presence inside of you, the joy of the Lord returns. A certain happiness comes. And it's just so powerful because we have this treasure in earthen vessels and the Spirit's on the inside of us. And it's so important for us to cooperate, right? Right. The currency of the kingdom is faith-filled response based on gratitude for the past. It was a profound sense of gratitude for Peter and John's miracle that caused the church to cry out for boldness more breakthrough. You can read about this in Acts chapter 4. It was, you know, Peter gets arrested, you know, in the early part of the church's life, you know, and then, then he gets released. And it's beautiful to see what their reaction is. And so I want to read from uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 27. So they start, so Peter, they, they, they get released, Peter and John, they, in the very beginning, they released Peter and John back. And here's, here's how, this is so great. Here's how the church responded. They start praying. They say, oh, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So they're all on the right page. They've got the right perspective of history. Now, Lord, consider their thoughts, threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Can you imagine? God responded with that kind of response with an earthquake. He shook the place. Boom, 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 boom. Because they were afraid. And then Peter and John get released from that jail. And they start giving thanksgiving and praise and honoring the Lord and thanking Him for who He is and de declaring His goodness. And God likes it so much, the thing shakes. Wow! That's when you know you got some serious Thanksgiving going on, right? <laughs> Something begins to shake, right? Not the least of which is maybe your problems. Whew. You're in jail. 
You get out a little bit. You start thanking God. boy, you're on the right track now. And God begins to shake the problems up and all the other things. Look at Psalm 50, verses 7 to 15. I love these psalms. We're getting here to close to the end here. Psalm 50, verses 7 to 15. I don't know about you, but I think these scriptures are glorious. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. (laughs) I don't don't need all this stuff, you know. Matter of fact, God doesn't need this. It's for you. You get to do it. He likes it. There's a relational thing, but this is the right way to walk with God, right? For every animal, the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. And call on me on the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. That is an equation. That is a good thing. Sacrifice, thank offerings. You thank God for your life, what is happening around you, what God's doing with you. Give access, gain access just by simply appreciating this Most High God. All these sacrifices and the thing of it and the religiosity of it, that's not it. What I wanted you to do with this sacrifice is I, I want you to come to me with a grateful heart. I want you to know. I want you to honor me as the first of your produce, the first of your provision in every way. And giving thanks with this right attitude. Fulfill your vows. Do this before me. And guess what? You can call on me on the day of trouble and I will deliver you. And then you will honor me all over again. The whole thing will happen again. And you'll start praising God all over again. That's the cycle. He's not stingy. He's not saying, honor me, honor me, honor me, and then we honor him. Okay, we honored him. You know, No, it's like a cycle. You honor God, he honors you. You honor God, you, you see what I'm saying? You don't have to give thanksgiving. You get to give thanksgiving. You can choose between depression and the condemnation of the evil one and all that pressure and all that negativity. You can just choose. Make your choice. God, I choose this day to thank you and to honor you. Thank you so much for my salvation, everything you've done for me. I thank you that you have this problem right in your hand right now. I mean, how can somebody resist that? Think about it with regard to your own kids. My, my. Even when they're having trouble, could you imagine if something was happening and and you didn't get that, Junior didn't get that bicycle because you had to say, you know, we just ran out of money. We just, Dad lost his job. I wonder if Junior said, it's okay, Dad. Thanks so much for thinking of me. I know there will be a better time. I just want you to know I really love you, Dad. What would that do? I mean, you go out and borrow money to go get that bike. I'll tell you, do something, right? I mean, what would you do? How would you respond? It would bring tears to your eyes. Oh, my. Thanksgiving is where it's at, man, I'm telling you. 3D. Last thing. Thanksgiving makes way for answers to our prayers. The very shalom, that is the very peace of God. So let's just read uh, wonderfully in this passage, Philippians chapter 4. Now, if I could have the worship team come on up, and um, I want to just spend some time in, at the altar today, if you come up or from your seat. One thing you might want to do today is spend a little extra time just thanking the Lord. And if you need prayer, we'll have a whole team up here to pray for you. I'll tell you what, if you give some thanks to the Lord and then come up to one of these team members and ask for prayer, you might be surprised what happens. 
So we'll do a little worship here. And while we're worshiping, if we could all stand, and if I could have uh, uh, the, uh, some of the ministry team come up and the worship team come up, uh, we're going to prepare here for the best part of the service. Because what's going to happen is you're going to give some thanksgiving as we sing. We have some team, if you guys could come up here, and we're going to pray for that very thing. So you're going to do this very thing we're looking at in the Scripture, and I'm going to read out of the Scripture from Philippians. We're going to give thanksgiving and praise, and then if you need to come up, come. And you don't have to come up. You can do it right from where you're at. You might want to just pause a little bit after we worship, because after we worship, we'll be formally done. And you might want to just take some time and say, thank you, Jesus, and just let God help you say thank you. And then if you'd like to come and Come up to one of these and pray. I'll tell you what, uh, there's a powerful prayer going on we've noticed in some of our prayer meetings and some of the things we've been doing in our ministry times. And Lord, I just thank you in advance that some this very day there are people that will be healed today that walked in here unhealed. This very day some people are going to address with you. We're going to agree in prayer and some things are going to change. My Lord, whether you do that or not, we just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for blessing us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4, 4. How often would that be? Always. Right now? Yeah. Any other time? Yep. And then he says, hey, that sounds so good. I'll say it again. Rejoice. <laughs> Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be rough. Don't be callous. Be gentle. Gentle toward the Lord and toward people that are maybe not doing so good a thing to you, right? Maybe they're not being nice. Do not be anxious about anything. So here we go. It's like a runway. Where our plane's coming down the runway. We're rejoicing in the Lord. We're giving thanks. We're remembering who we need to be gentle with and forgive to lay off the hook today. And he says this. Don't be anxious about anything. How many things would that be? Nothing left out. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So now you're getting something else. You're getting a sense of God's presence and peace at the same time. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So, Lord, as we're in this time, as I'm in this sermon, I pray you would help us to go to a place of worship, thanksgiving, and then to a place of prayer, even intercessory prayer with all these we have up here. You said if two or three agree about anything, you would do it. As we enter your gates, an intercession, Lord, for things that we desperately need, we just want to tell you how great you are. We're so happy to be in your house. We're so thankful for everything you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the things you're about to do even that maybe have discouraged us. Thank you for things we don't even understand. We have no idea why they happen to us. We don't understand why we're in this space. We don't care. Well, we just step out boldly and say, thank you anyway, Lord, as we anxiously await, gladly await your amazing breakthrough and provision in this hour, in this moment, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, I declare today, today is a day of getting out of jail. Today is the day where you get a jail, get out of uh, a jail free card, right? First as you worship and then as you pray. I encourage you to take advantage of our intercessors here because we're two or three gathered together. Why would you 
there I am in their midst. And then he said, if you agree about anything, if two of you agree about anything, it'll be done. The power of agreeing prayer is another access point before the Lord. Amen. Okay. Love you.